Today we're wrapping up this series, Made to Count, all about how you have a drive to be significant, to make a difference. It's a core part of your identity, of what it means to be made in the image of God, what it means to have been given dominion to exercise. We are all to be kings and queens, working for the creation of good in partnership with God and His great project. And that's wonderful. It gets messed up by ego, but it's really good. And I hope you carry that deeply with you, and, and I want to do that as well. And I thought it'd be really good for us to end today by talking about how we do that together with God in prayer, relying on His power and His Spirit to be with us and to lead us. I have been more grateful than ever for prayer in this era of my life and have often felt a sense of being sustained and borne up by a kind of spiritual force that I know is beyond me. Nancy and I met with a number of you who have been on the prayer team for Become New, for the Fellowship of the Withered Hand. And I think because for whatever reason, so many of us meet together in a place of awareness of brokenness and need and inadequacy, there's a kind of a rawness and a depth to the experience of our meeting together and wanting to and being able to pray for each other that has been very vivid to me. And I think about one of the women on that team who talked about how, I may have mentioned this to you, two years ago on a Sunday morning, she was uh, making it through the day by starting in the morning, drinking Bloody Marys with tequila chasers. And now she is a part of our community and she was calling to be part of this prayer time from her sister's hospice room. And her sister joined us a little bit and I thought, where life was two years ago and where it is for her now is so amazing. It'd be worth what we're doing just for that one life. I just got a text from my friend Charlie Bradshaw. Charlie prays for us every day. You should know about Charlie. And he was telling me about a friend of his who has lost a spouse who is so grateful for this community. I was just at the Minnesota prayer breakfast and a number of you were there and it was so good to be together to be with you and it was, um, a bit rare is a prayer breakfast. Often those tend to gather only the elite, but here there was a choir that sang, I think maybe a hundred people from the adult and teen challenge choir. They're all addicts. They're all right, like every day, depending on God for recovery. And so to have them and police officers who were there and people who are homeless there at that prayer breakfast, I got to talk to a young man named Chris he was the young man who had to make the call. He got the counterfeit $20 bill from George Floyd. And so he had to let his employer know. And that's his community, that's neighbor, his neighborhood. And so he had to wrestle, he told us with, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right decision? And to hear about how he is giving his life to God, trusting God, going through that and praying for everybody that was involved is very, very moving. So, I wanted to read you a couple of words about prayer. This is from um, Anne Lamott, her book, uh, Help, Thanks, Wow, is a book about prayer. And she says most of her prayers basically fit into one of those three words. And I think the, the best definition I know about prayer is talking with God about what we're doing together. Talking to God about what we're doing together. Because if we're not doing stuff together, then prayer becomes unsustainable or impossible or only comes up when I have a need and I want help from the uh, ATM. So 
she talks about why it can be a real helpful thing to get to the end of our rope. There's freedom in hitting bottom, she says, in seeing that you won't be able to save or rescue your daughter, her spouse, his parents, or your career. Relief in admitting you've reached the place of great unknowing. This is where restoration can begin. Because when you're still in the state of trying to fix the unfixable, everything bad is engaged. The chatter of your mind, the tension of your physiology, all the trunks and wheelons you carry from the past. It's exhausting, crazy-making. Help. That's the first great prayer. Talking to God about what we're doing together. Help us walk through this. Help us come through. I don't pray for God to do this or that or for God's sake to knock it off or for specific outcomes. Well, okay, maybe a little. Then she writes, when my great hero, Arthur Ashe, she was a tennis player. I was a tennis player. I loved Arthur Ashe. When he had had AIDS for quite a while, Arthur Ashe said, God's will alone matters. When I played tennis, I never prayed for a victory in a match. I will not pray now to be cured of heart disease or AIDS. So I pray help. Hold my friends in your light. And then I thought I'd share this with you. She also writes about how she was not raised to pray. Sometimes for some of us who were, we can feel like prayer is kind of an obligation or a way of getting spirit merit badges. But she says, uh, I was raised to believe that people who prayed were ignorant. It was voodoo, asking an invisible old man to intervene, God is Santa Claus. God was the reason for most of the large-scale suffering in history, like the Crusades and the Inquisition. Therefore, to pray was to throw your lot in with Genghis Khan and Torquemada, which was the name of our huge orange cat, and with snake handlers. Instead of beautiful John Coltrane, William Blake, Billie Holiday, my parents worshipped at the Church of the New York Times. And we bowed down before our antique hi-fi cabinet, which held the Ark of the Covenant, Miles Davis, and Theolonius Monk albums. So to recap, my parents, who were too hip and intellectual to pray, worshipped mostly mentally ill junkies. Everybody worships somebody. Everybody prays in some way, reaches out beyond themselves, wants to wish, wants to hope, wants to bless, wants to influence. Tim Williams was reminding me about, of a wonderful quote from the theologian N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, who says that our prayers range sometimes from a howl into the abyss, sometimes to a gentle whisper, as intimate as the quiet conversation between two friends or a parent and a child. And then Tim was reminding me that and as we get ready to pray, you might think about whether you need to howl today or whisper to God. There's a scene Tim was reminding me in the movie Forrest Gump, which you might have seen, the character Lieutenant Dan, who is bitter, who is cynical. He had a career in the military, and then he wanted to die. He lost his legs, and yet he was saved by Forrest Gump. And there's no gratitude in him, just anger and resentment and self-pity. And then there's a scene when they're on a boat, and there's this great storm, and Lieutenant Dan is up in the mast, and he is yelling at God, is this the best you can do? Go ahead and try to get rid of it. I don't care. That is his howl into the abyss. And something happens because it is the real him howling to the real God. And in a scene a little bit later, uh, the storm is calmed, and the storm inside his soul is calmed, and he says to Forrest Gump quite calmly, you know, I never said thank you to you for saving my life. 
And he says it then. And then he slips into the ocean to swim. And Forrest Gump's comment on this is, Lieutenant Dan didn't say it, but I think he made his peace with God. And sometimes we must howl. It was very striking to me when I was in the um, uh, Ignatian Monastery in Colorado a few weeks ago, and we went to Vesper service, how the monks would chant whatever psalms were up for that day. So we were literally chanting, singing these words, break their teeth, O God. Break their teeth, for their mouths are wicked. Blessed be the one that dashes the head of their little ones, those that I despise, against the rocks. How I hate those who hate you, God. I hate them with a perfect anchor. We don't, we don't, we pride ourselves on authenticity in the contemporary church, especially a lot of evangelical Protestant churches, but we don't often sing songs that are that authentic. You know, teeth breaker, hate maker, head dasher, teeth gnasher, that is who you are. Those songs don't make it with us. We're way too polite. We're, we only cover like A to B in the emotional gamut. So maybe today you need to howl into the abyss. Or, or maybe you need a gentle whisper. You know, it's striking that when Lieutenant Dan had made peace with God, and he had to do that by pouring out his heart in all of its rawness and all of its ugliness so that it could be present, so that it could be the real him with the real God, and then the turn could come to gratitude. But that turn only came when he had brought before God whatever is in his heart. So now, you know, uh, we're invited into living prayer, but all of us have experienced its opposite, which is dead prayer, so dull and so tedious. And the main reason for that is because then I'm praying the way I think I'm supposed to pray <clears throat> or about the things I think I'm supposed to pray about rather than what is alive and electric and deep and current in my soul. So right now, bring that. If you need to howl, howl. If you need to whisper, whisper. God is with you. What is most on your heart? What is that dream for impacting that relationship, your family, your work? What are you carrying most deeply on your heart? Tell it to God right now. Invite God to go with you and to work together with you on whatever it is that you're working on today. I pray for you. God, I would, I ask right now that you would make this one who is listening and praying together with me that you would help us to make a difference in our lives, to see what it is that you want to do, and to make this day count. So that's my prayer for you. Enjoy uh, this next week and a half or so off, and then get ready for an adventure in gratitude. I love you. I'll see you then. Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. My name's Tim and I'm a part of the team. We are a community of people looking to grow spiritually one day at a time. 
prioritizing the people we're becoming over the things we accomplish. We're brought together not by our strengths, but by our inadequacies. So the worse your story, the warmer you're welcome. We'll see you next time.